0: Hey everyone, welcome to the New Sea Podcast. I'm back with my partner in crime, Chris, and we're thrilled to welcome today, Christina Wells, the Senior Vice President of Flow Recruit. Christina is not only a highly respected people ops executive, but also a public speaker and writer in the HR space. She specializes in employee engagement and culture and is a key advocate for the rising tech scene in Austin, Texas. Christina, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great, thank you.
0: Yeah, to get us started, so tell us a little bit more about yourself and your position at Flow Recruit.
1: absolutely. My background goes back to 2005, where I started in recruiting, technical recruiting. I worked several years as an agency recruiter, uh, did my time in that space, and then moved into tech recruiting for various software companies, including Retail Me Not, United Healthcare. I worked for a company called Modernize, where I led the recruiting function as director of recruiting. And then through that role, I transitioned into director of HR and recruiting, and then that's what started my HR journey. I led HR and recruiting there and at another company called Planally. And then through a couple runs at leading HR and people, I was interested in getting into more of the operations of an organization. And I recently joined a company called Flow Recruit last year as the SVP of operations and people. Flow Recruit is a recruiting software, an applicant tracking system, an events and management tool, interview scheduling tool that we help the legal recruiting industry with their recruiting challenges of connecting the law students at law schools to law firms. And with my recruiting background, it was a great transition into operations because I'm able to help strategically um, help with product ideas, help push the operations along of the organization, and I oversee marketing and other various functions of the org and having a great time doing it.
0: So what about Flow Recruit was really fascinating to you? I see that you started off almost as like an advisory role, and then you took the place to SVP, dealing with operations and people. What made you want to take that leap of full-time commitment?
1: Yeah, the the co-founders are absolutely phenomenal. I've been working with them since 2018. Austin is a very startup entrepreneurial Culture And I really loved m- being in a mentor capacity over the years. And I was introduced to Catherine and Atreya, the two co-founders when they were in college, in an entrepreneur program here in Austin, and advised them for a couple years help them kind of think through how they're going to build the product. And I really got behind their mission and their passion for helping the legal recruiting industry arrive in the modern age with how other industries recruit. It was a little behind, but we're helping them kind of come to the modern day. And over the years, through an advisory capacity, I continue to enjoy working with them, seeing where they were going, seeing the challenges they were looking to solve. It all just made sense. It clicked and joined full-time last year in the SVP of Operations and People
0: Capacity. Beautiful. So by title, you deal with operations as well as people. What does that day-to-day experience look like? Understanding that there's so many things to do within the people function, and God only knows what things go on from an operational sense. So almost walk us through a day-to-day and tell us what that experience is like dealing with both sides of the table.
1: Absolutely. It's very unique. Not a lot of HR leaders have the opportunity to move around in different functions of the organization. So I have so much gratitude for Atreya and Catherine for allowing me to do so. But yes, my day to day, Um, I would say like a good chunk of my day to day is overseeing HR and people and recruiting and being a recruiting software, our HR and recruiting function need to be best in class A plus. We have to represent If we are selling recruiting software, we have to represent a plus recruiting in HR. In addition to that, I oversee the marketing department and have very capable folks in marketing who kind of help position Flow Recruit in the legal recruiting industry. There are other really great applicant tracking systems out there. At the same time, we are specialized, customized, and niche for the legal recruiting Of industry and process. We are very unique compared to other industries. And so our system is very specific and customized for legal recruiting from law student to law school to law firm to lateral, higher, and beyond. I also oversee various functions. I oversee the operations manager who is in charge of finance and accounting. I temporarily oversaw sales while we were looking for a VP of sales. I meet customers one-on-one. I just do a little bit of everything from strategic planning to ordering the snacks for the office.
2: Something I wanted to circle back to is when you first were explaining your role, obviously you lead the people function, but when you started talking about operations, the first department you mentioned was marketing. And we like to talk about a lot on this podcast, the relationship between People the age in the HR function and marketing. We're very interested in employer brand as well. What can you say about the, what's the relationship between marketing and the, and the people function? Do you think, especially you know, in the year twenty twenty three, where we're at now?
1: Sure. Again, we're pretty unique. And in my role, mm-hmm. the the ideal customer or the executive mm-hmm. buyer, the decision maker at the prospect, the law firm that we sell our applicant tracking system to, is typically a C level talent officer, C-level HR officer, C-level recruiting officer, and being that I sat in that role, I know the pain points, I know the challenges, I know what keeps them up at night, it positions me well to assist our marketing leader does all of the heavy lifting of marketing, but it allows us to have healthy dialogue of what are these challenges, what is a persona thinking about day in, day out, so I can help advise on what marketing strategy that we're going to have. So there's that, how I contribute to the marketing department in the operations role as a former recruiting leader today. I like where you're headed on employer branding. As a head of HR, head of recruiting, building an employer brand is so very important. And there is a partnership between marketing and the marketing brand, the product brand and the employer brand. And being that I prefer to work with startups... We have to build a brand. And Austin has some really great large names here in town. You have a Google, you have Meta, you have a lot of really great big company tech companies. And we compete with those tech companies as a startup. And so we have to build our employer brand in that space. And often we have to market ourselves in different ways. We're not able to pay as much as some of our West Coast headquartered companies in town, and we're not able to offer some of the same benefits on paper, but what you're getting in trade is ownership. You're getting a value add. You're getting a lot of purpose-driven work and getting to see your product, touch your product, touch your work, kind of have, you know, what direct impact you're making on the company. And especially with Gen Z, especially with millennials, that's a very interesting narrative to tell, folks want to work for companies where they feel like they can make a difference.
0: Who do you think has a harder push towards sustaining employer, their employer branding efforts? You mentioned being an early stage startup. You guys have to look up at the behemoths and figure out really unique ways to pull talent. And no different than the Googles and the Metas, they still too have to manage their employer brand when it comes to understanding there's a lot of fast growing startups that want their spot, essentially. What do you think that dynamic is like between the early stage startups and the more seasoned IPO type of companies?
1: Yeah. Being that I haven't worked for a large company, I can't speak from like a meta Google. I can't speak from a direct experience, but I have a lot of friends in the space. It's yes. Once a company is known for, and I won't say the name of the companies, but once a large company is known for poor work-life balance or, they cut the t- lowest 10% every year. It doesn't matter who you are. But once you kind of, there are those, I guess, that buzz in the market of these companies are hard to work for. I can only imagine it, it's hard to kind of respond to that and hire great talent in spite of that. And it's it's not easy. A lot of times when I talk to candidates from those large companies who are looking to go to a startup, they say that they want to work for a startup because they want to have ownership and they want to have flexibility and they want to have a say. And so I kind of see this, the fish swimming Um, upriver and downriver and all together at the same time. You have folks who did the large company and are ready to move to a startup. And we lose candidates from time to time from the startup world who want to go to the large company. So I think we're all just sharing talent. There's just very different reasons why people work at the different sides of the fence.
0: Do you tend to see a company's reputation almost bleed into, let's say, the onboarding process in terms of, hey, I heard you guys are like this, is this true, kind of a thing? Do you see that employer branding reputation almost existing and being flashed in front of a, a company's face or in this instance, this recruits face, as you guys are looking to onboard individuals? Like, do you see it firsthand? Like, wow, like we we do this action and people are receiving it well or not so well, and then it's almost getting regurgitated back to us during the hiring process. Is that something you see often?
1: I haven't at idea. all. Sure. I have an anecdote. We were talking. I was talking with one of our employees the other day, and she said one of the biggest surprises of coming to Flow Recruit, she worked at a very large corporate company, was how positive we were and how we celebrated one another so much and how we supported one another. And having worked at startups for 10 plus years, That's just your day-to-day because there are so many wins. When you're working for a startup, you're in a build phase. You're solving problems. You're able to move quickly. Your problems have direct, the problems you're solving, you can see the direct impact that you're making. For me, and that's why I've been a startup uh, leader for years, it's just a fast-paced environment where you know you're going to make an impact. The impact might not be as large, but it's as it's as deep as it can be because you're directly touching it. And as we build employer brands, I think I thought about her example of when we are hiring, I want to use her story of being surprised by how positive we are and making sure that we are exuding ourselves during the recruiting process who are nat- who we are naturally as a culture, supportive, we are positive, we are fast-paced we are driving people forward because a lot of times when we're hiring folks who are coming from the other side i will say is it's a it's it's a stark difference and a fresh breath of air and again i don't want to say anything negative about large corporate companies but it's just a different it's a different
0: world so with the influence of gen z millennials which you mentioned you know they do value things like ownership what are typical questions and trends that you see during the onboarding process they're like wow like this generation or even other generations like really starting to care about that. You might've not seen uh, earlier in your career.
1: Absolutely. I, I am always interested to ask about where do they see themselves? And this is cliche. Where do they see themselves in the next five years? We know that's a cliche question, but the answers that I'm looking for, especially in a startup environment are self-starters we are looking for people who have a can-do attitude, will figure things out. They don't need corporate layers to tell them exactly what to do or wait to be delegated to or have a sense of hierarchy of, that's not my lane. I want people to come forward, raise their hand, volunteer. It doesn't matter how many years of experience you have. I value people that have great ideas. If you have a decade's worth experience or great ideas of um, great ideas with, six months of experience. I I, I truly believe in reverse mentoring that when we're hiring new talent, Gen Z talent, they have fresh ideas that we think, you know what, maybe that's a good idea and we should continue to explore that. It's interesting when I say this out loud, I'm thinking, do I, we want outspoken people? And that sounds like it could create a lot of noise, but I think what I'm getting at is, I like to believe that Flow Recruit has an environment of psychological safety where everybody's voice matters, and it doesn't matter how experienced you are, we want to hear your voice.
2: How important throughout your career has it been to just empower your employees, right? Empower the people around you to feel like they have a stake, to feel like their voice actually does matter, because unfortunately, there's a huge issue, workers not being engaged, people not feeling like they belong at, you know, where they work, and, It's become such a huge part of our identity, right? You know, people put the work in their Twitter bio, their Instagram bio. Um, They take a lot of pride in it. So how important throughout your career have you seen is to just empower your people?
1: Absolutely. Empowerment. That is such a strong word and it means so many different things to so many different people. So I, I will explain it, how I view it as an HR leader and how I've seen it transition over the years is when, when a company brands themselves as we want to empower people at the same time, when those people have the courage to speak up, they aren't validated and, and they are ignored. It sort of creates a disengaged environment and almost an environment of, well, you empowered me. So I spoke up and now you don't like my idea. So I'm going to disengage. And I'm upset by that where in, at Flow Recruit, I believe, yes, we empower people we empower people to share ideas. And I think one of the greatest things that we do here, and it starts with our founders, both of our founders, is they are really great at validating the perspective. I'm not suggesting that we go with every single idea, but every single idea might arrive at the at a great idea. It's just a sum of all the ideas help us decide which direction to go in. And so the most important thing when we're creating an empowering environment is the validation piece and the understanding of their perspective piece. And then when we make a decision, going back to those folks and saying, hey, your idea, it might not be the same idea. It might not be what we went forward with, but your idea sparked this like thought train. And this is how we arrived at the final decision based on your ideas along the way.
0: Yeah, that identity of ownership, idea ownership, execution ownership, which is what you were describing, is unfortunately not as prevalent as a lot of people would like. (laughs) So we definitely appreciate individuals like yourself, other companies that do acknowledge that when it comes to enriching their employees in such a way.
1: I am very quick to have awareness that having been in the recruiting industry, HR industry for almost 20 years, some of my practices might be outdated. And when you're working at companies for five plus years before you go from company to company, it's, it's getting those new perspectives, especially from Gen Z millennials, people who question process. I love it when people question my process, because that means it's not working seamlessly. If there is a hole to poke, we have to hear what that struggle is and see if there's a V2, a better version that we can create together.
0: Is there an instance or a moment that comes to mind when you're like, wow, like my version one doesn't work and let's say a Gen Z or millennial anyone really has came to you and almost helped construct a new version of a process or processes that you have established in the past. Is there anything that really stands out or like wow like this this really helped me evolve my my way of thinking not only as a leader, but as an executive in your position?
1: Absolutely. An example of a process and many of these processes, many examples I have is automation. And When I started in recruiting, you had spreadsheets for everything, you double duplicated every resume, you put it in different folders, you saved it on this Excel file and that Excel file, and you had rows and columns and tables and sheets, and it was all very manual to track candidates, same with HR data. And over the years, as new software has come out to automate reporting, to automate process, people like me, I struggled with trusting the, the software. I was like, well, I don't know. What if the software blows up? And then I need my extra spreadsheet to tell me, you know, who I have in play for candidate process or what HR data I have or what payroll data I have. And over the years, as I would train newer HR coordinators and recruiting coordinators of my 37 step process, they were like, Christina, did you know that the, recur- the the recruiting software itself will do this automatically? Or did you know that the payroll software itself will do it automatically? And it was really just kind of opening my eyes up to trusting technology, trusting the system that kind of helped me transition. But I don't think unless someone unless someone told me that, I don't think I would have even budged to change the way I was doing things. I also have to remember that as I grow as a leader, I'm not running the process anymore. I delegate process to those who work with me and teammates and peers. And I wanna work in a world where whatever works best for them, so long as we're getting to the same end game, let's try it.
0: So you mentioned trusting software. I guess the talk of the town is what AI has done within not only the HR industry, but really every industry. What has your relationship been like as a professional, maybe even on a personal level, in regards to AI and Chat BT, Bart, or whatever LLM you guys are, you use?
1: Yeah. I mean, AI, AI, AI still scares us a little bit, doesn't it? And I think one of the biggest fears, and I went to a recruiting and HR dinner, leadership dinner recently, where we were told AI could replace an HR leader's role. It, it could replace a recruiter's role in the screening and interview process. And we can let that, hinder us from adopting AI and realizing it's here and it's now, and that's, we should incorporate it into our role. But I don't quite use it for recruiting in HR yet. I've used it kind of in the marketing capacity, helping us to write content. I definitely use it to look up questions. If I have an employee question, instead of Googling, the answer is just so much more robust and straightforward in chat GPT. So I do use it as my friend, not my foe. And I have found it to be very valuable, but there are still some very large pieces of recruiting that I think I will hold on to as long as possible to be human touch.
0: And what would those relationships or what would those sections of HR that you would like to keep on a human level? In contrast to that, what parts of your day-to-day, you could tap into a little bit of the operation science? but what part of your day-to-day operations or on the people side do you wish there was more implementation of AI and automation to some extent that either save you time or the company money.
1: Absolutely. I think that AI and recruiting could help us certainly with screening. You know, there's a lot of really great behavioral assessment tools. There's a lot of good technical assessment tools, AI recruiting tools out there that can take a candidate's journey so far. But the part that I I feel strongly that requires human touch is the components of the interview as far as team fit, culture fit, things like that that are more qualitative and um communication based in nature because one operate one metric or one data point that sticks with me in recruiting is if you had the option of hiring someone who has 70% of the skills versus 30% of the skills but the other 70% is aptitude is culture fit is team fit is drive i would rather hire someone less technically skilled that has all the drive and will fit into the ecosystem nicely versus someone who has all the technical skills and will be challenging to work with. And until I'm proven wrong, I think that there is an important component of recruiting where the human touch of assessing the team fit, culture fit, all of those things still needs to exist.
0: What has the market been looking like with flow recruit or what you've been seeing externally in regards to finding quality talent or at least talent that matches up well with one's culture or aligns well with mission and values and things like that have you been finding difficulty with what's been going on whether it be AI remote work i do know i believe you mentioned you guys do have an office in austin so what what has that relationship been like in terms of attracting maybe even retaining candidates
1: I can say with confidence that Flow Recruit is one of the easiest companies in my recent past to recruit for. Whatever the reason, no, I don't like that either because it's not whatever the reason, I know the reason. Let me back up because I'm trying to make sure I stage this well, knowing that the leaders will be listening. I can say with confidence that Flow Recruit is one of the easiest companies I've recruited for in a a very long time. I think it has a lot to do with how we're positioned as a company. We have very interesting problems to solve. But for someone like myself, who's talking to dozens of candidates a week, trying to sell them on Flow Recruit, trying to sell them on our mission, trying to sell them on the reason we exist, it just clicks. They get it. Engineers want to build products around that. Product managers and designers want to help solve the problem of the legal job seeker. It's just an easy narrative to tell that doesn't take a lot of convincing because it's obvious we've all been on the job market before. We all know that it's difficult to find jobs and if flow recruit can help those legal job seekers find amazing jobs by creating technology for law schools and law firms to do so. It's an easy sell. And I think that you know a lot of companies it, when they think about their recruiting and the difficulties they have around that is to find their mission, like bring in why they exist into the conversation And they'll find that when they do that, it's easier to just tell the story and help get candidates on board.
2: It completely makes sense. And I I can really understand how that's just such an easy sell for you guys. So kind of transitioning, obviously, being in a position of leadership, leadership, a senior vice president, just throughout your years, right? Leadership values. It's so important for leadership to be aligned to all understand, hey, we're on this path going this way for these reasons, because they're not aligned that just causes a lot of friction, things get out of hand and departments can go AWOL, this, that, and the third, right? So just throughout your career, how are leadership values, how, have you seen them change? And specifically at Flow Recruit, how do you approach, uh, you know, coming together with all your other leaders in, uh, within Flow Recruit to sort of set yourself on the path that you guys are on right now?
1: Absolutely. Recently, Flow Recruit rolled out company values. Um, I'll just name a couple of company values. Choose Action keep flowing, a play on word for flow recruit, be a sponge, make problems opportunities. And these the core values that we have as a company, one, we interview against them. Every candidate we hire, we have said, you know what? They will be great for our company values. They're used in the performance review program. They are used around feedback. We coach our managers around that. So getting back to leadership skills, We took our company's core values and then translated them of how can we use those core values in our leadership skills to center everybody, all of the leaders, all of the managers around having um, a predictable, I should say, a predictable leadership style. Of course, we want every manager to be unique and every manager to be their own individual and lead in their own way. But at the end of the day, all the flow recruit leaders align on the company core values, kind of leading our management values.
0: Reverting Yeah, so reverting really good culture and values and mission from really internally to externally when people are starting to get within the pipeline and learn a little bit about what the team is going on. It's a common candidate story where, hey, they sell me this is their culture, this is their mission, these are these cool values, but then they get their two feet, uh, they get boots on the ground within the company, they realize it was none of that. So (laughs) how do you and I'm sure that doesn't happen at Flow Recruit, but what can you say to companies that force candidates to go through that experience, not only you know, losing their hand in a quality candidate because clearly that's not the right fit, as well as leaving a bad taste in the candidates' working experience, having made the commitment, been within the company dynamic for a short amount of time and realizing this wasn't the right place for them?
1: I will give companies and recruiting leaders a tip here and that I think over the years, we kind of drifted into overselling companies with rose colored glasses of how amazing it is and all of the perks and all of these things. And then you get there and there's still work to be done. And then the new hire is surprised by that work that still needs to be done because they were just sold all of the rainbows and sunshines along the recruiting process. One thing that I do, one of the main things that I do when I am training recruiters, working with recruiters, myself as a recruiter, is I spend a great deal of the recruiting process equally trying to sell someone out of a role just as much as I'm trying to sell them into the role. For example, one of our core values is choose action. So as I talk about the company core value in the recruiting process of choose action of, we like to move fast, you get to own a lot, you get to have a big say in what you're working on, choosing action, that's amazing. Also, scare them away. Choose action means we move quickly, we, we do not stall, when in doubt, we move forward. And you just kind of talk through some of the realities of a role of that might scare some folks away. And if it does, it really is for the best. We look to hire problem solvers. Everybody in a recruiting process likes to self-disclose they are a problem solver, But then during the recruiting process, since one of our core values is make problems opportunities, we sell that there are problems to solve. And I sort of talk through all the problems to solve and see if they are up for the challenge versus just saying, are you a problem solver? You are great. You're hired. And so, again, just as much as I'm selling folks into Flow Recruit, we have to, as recruiters, we have to do our due diligence to make sure that we are scanning through resumes and screening candidates almost out of a role, just as much as in.
0: I like that because traditionally you hear so much about companies, executives selling, hey, this is what we do, come on board, we're amazing, this and that. Where a lot of it is, you know, an element of practicality, which is what you mentioned, like, hey, like, yeah, we, you know, we this is our culture, this is our mission, these are values, but understand like these principles that we follow, like we're true to that, right? And this doesn't resonate well with you. We don't suggest you even going through the onboarding process and ideally wasting your own time to realize, like, this isn't the right place for you, which we find really interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. So what challenges do you experience in your day-to-day, whether it be through tooling, whether it be just through leadership style and having that evolve through time? What is a common pain point that you deal with that you would love a solution to?
1: (laughs) A common pain point that I deal with on a day-to-day, having enough hours in the day There's not enough of me to go round. But that's just the joy of working for a startup. I mean, absolutely. I love every day is very fast paced. Every day I'm making an impact. And as a leader, it is my role and responsibility to make sure that I'm guiding not just my immediate team, but everybody in the company. Um, Being a member of the senior leadership team, I know that everybody in the company looks up to all of us on the senior leadership team. And so I try to do my very best to be a good teammate, be a good guide, be a good support, be a good mentor, be a good everything to everybody at the company on a day-to-day basis. And on, it's finding time doing all that.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And based on what you, you mentioned earlier in the pod, clearly their culture and the work you're doing, the work co-found the co-founders are doing, uh, you guys clearly got some magic going on over there. So I do want to touch upon the topic of remote work. You mentioned that you guys have an office mentioned that sometimes you're responsible for bringing in the chips in the office right (laughs) yes what does this sell to individuals excuse me candidates in regards to you guys actually having a walk-in office where people can engage and be collaborative we live in a we live in a time right now where all the the rave is hey remote work work from home and you know flexibility and all these all these things which are great what's the sell for actually coming in the office? What do you like about what you guys are doing with coming to office, especially being in a, a thriving tech ecosystem like Austin, Texas?
1: Absolutely. I am pleasantly surprised by how little friction I've had recruiting recently of selling the fact that we are in the office two to three days a week. I expected that people would want to work remote 100%. I would expect people that they don't want to commute to the office, but I think at least in the startup environment. And that's probably it, is if you're applying for a startup company, you know that there's going to be a lot of collaboration. You know there's going to be a lot of interfacing. You know there's going to be a lot of work ahead. And I think because we're hiring for the persona of folks who enjoy working for startups, and meeting less resistance of coming into the office. I would probably say less than 5% of the time does a candidate say in the recruiting process, you know what, I want to work remotely 100%. And I have to say, that's wonderful, this is not the company for you. I often am greeted with the pleasant surprise and positive reaction of people saying, I am ready to get back into the office. My large company closed down the Austin satellite office and I work remote 100% or I miss collaborating with people. So I wanna come into the office. And I think the important piece about hybrid work coming into the office, remote work is It's less about making it a rule and a mandate. And yes, to your point, sharing the value and the why of coming into the office. We're coming into the office to be collaborative. We're not coming into the office to work alone, work in silos, take all my calls at my desk. I might as well be at home so I could do laundry in between meetings. But when we structure our in-office days, we have mandatory once a month. And I said no rules. I just said that. But we have in person, all hands, once a month, where we do require people to come into the office. But those are the times where the whole company meets together. We have a lot of team meetings, team activities, team lunches, various engineering, marketing, sales, offsites, And so that is a part where you're collaborating, reconnecting with your teammates. And then, sure, the other few days a week throughout the month, and you're at home kind of cranking out work in your own personal space. But we really... I'm lucky. Knock on wood. We really don't struggle with that just the way because of the way we sell in office work in the hybrid model.
0: What was that transition like? I mean, prior to COVID, I'm sure it was a day to day thing. COVID shut down everything, and it went from five days a week to zero days a week in the office. And now, as you said, it's it's more about dynamic flow where it's circumstantial, whether it be all hands or events like that. What is that transition like Ben, for you as a as a leader from five days, no days? To two to three days, making it very circumstantial.
1: Absolutely. I think we all struggled when we went from five to zero, of course, days in the office. And then the migration of getting folks to come back post-COVID was also a challenge. Started with the in-person in, in person all hands on a monthly basis. Of course, we said, if you are not comfortable then we respect that. And all of our in-person all hands have a virtual element. You can zoom in if you're not comfortable. So again, being very respectful of people's personal choices. And then as we saw people coming into the office for the in-person all hands being more comfortable with their social lives and interacting with people, then we invited people to come back into the office several days a week. And again, I would say most people come into the office because they want to, There might be people listening to this podcast saying, nope, I'm coming in because you're telling me to. But we, again, I don't feel like we get as much pushback as other companies because we make sure that our office, it's not because it's set up with food and snacks and lunches and all that. We actually don't have most of the perks. A lot of these other companies have to drive people back into the office. What you get when you come into the office at Flow Recruit is quick decision-making, quick collaboration, quick ideation and really great rapid fire meetings so you can go back again to your personal space and crank out some really amazing work.
2: I love that. I love how you guys are so gung-ho about everything. Just keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it moving. Um, I'm a fan of that pace. And of course, being a startup, I know uh, for you guys, everything has to be quick. Everything, um, Every second is so valuable, right? So kind of transitioning, I wanted to touch upon something about your background that we talked about off camera that I thought was very, very interesting, which were just What are some of the difficulties and challenges of recruiting through an IPO or an M&A event uh, throughout your career? I know you mentioned to me on our intro call that, you know, you've recruited through two major events that any company would be just absolutely elated to go through. So, you know, what was it like actually recruiting through something like that? You know, what were the challenges?
1: Absolutely. Um, Back in 2013, I worked for a company called RetailMeNot that went from, startup called well shark media to ipo and i was a technical recruiter during that time and it was incredibly fun it was fast paced it was a lot of work it was changing our persona of who we hire but it was all worth it and the biggest pieces that i know through any major event transaction ipo exit etc is who you hire changes the persona of who you hire changes. So when a startup company first hires, they hire folks who are very passionate about the product. A lot of the folks you hire in the initial stages are friends, family, neighbors of the co-founders, and then you see this interesting change of then you have to hire for the skill set, the technical skill set And then you hire for who's going to take us into the future. And so every organization has your learners and your growers. Your learners are the folks who this is their first time. This is their first time in those roles. This is their first time going through an event. This is their first time being a manager. And then you have to make the decision to start to hire folks who are more seasoned and who are growers who pull that company forward. And so you have a workforce that's pushing the company forward through institutional knowledge and being a foundational employee. And then you hire people who have say you're about to go through an IPO, you hire people with IPO experience, which is also always very tricky because if the whole company doesn't know an IPO is ahead, you're like, why are we hiring all these people with IPO experience or transaction experience or M&A experience? What's happening to us? And so you have to kind of be delicate and kind of this changing of the guard, if you will, of your foundational core members to the folks that are going to take you into your future. And having recruited through both, it's been incredibly fun. I've also recruited through an exit where the leaders knew that we were going to exit, but again, not everyone in the company we were exiting. So as we were strategically placing the folks to help us get to the exit, it was this reverse mentorship and mentorship program that we had to create of mentoring, where we hire the more seasoned folks to help some of our foundational folks get pulled up and up-leveled. And then it's really important when you hire those seasoned folks, the when you know they're going to take you to post acquisition or post IPO or post really any event, that they are humble to respect, to have gratitude, to show appreciation for some of those foundational members. And so like, for example, in Flow Recruit, because the, the, when our co-founder started the company in college, they have a several friends from college, first job, second job out of school, and they are holding very large, very important roles. And we are so grateful for those roles that they hold. And so maybe they don't have years and years and years of experience in whatever trade they are in, but what they have is so invaluable is knowing flow better than anybody else. And so when you hire those senior people to work with those foundational folks, it's those seasoned people just being so open-minded to say, you know what? They may not have 20 years of experience in marketing, but gosh, they know Flow Recruit better than anybody. I want to hear them out and lend my experience with their experience to create something beautiful in the middle.
0: So your background is really interesting. You mentioned earlier that you, again, being a technical recruiter, right? So you almost had a niche related to, at least an introduction at least into HR and recruiting. What is What is that dynamic like? Or what are those conversations like dealing with, let's say hiring an engineer or someone in the product domain versus as you ended just now, more seasoned and executive team members willing to push you guys through whatever event that you guys are aiming to go forward?
1: Absolutely. I think there is a little bit of, yes, there's differences in hiring an engineer that we need today and a leader that we need to have for tomorrow. At the same time, even the folks that we're hiring for today, I'd like to operate in a world where people have solid job tenure. I know you can ask HR leaders, good job tenure these days is 12 months to 18 months for some leaders like myself, wish and hope and pray that people last four plus years at a company. And so the most important piece for my recruiting strategy is always hire people regardless of the level for the next two to three years out. So this person will bring this experience or this aptitude. So if they don't have the experience, like say, a mid-level engineer, the aptitude might take them two, three, four, five years. And that's what I'm looking for. And it, wh- it what's important to me is, so you're saying, we're saying we, we're hiring a finance leader who has you know, post-transaction you know, transaction experience. Sure, they're going to pull all of us up just as much as that engineering person that we hire, we're hiring them for today, but we're also hiring them to build products for us tomorrow and making sure they have the skills and or aptitude to do so.
0: How do you stay on top of what these individuals, regardless of what they're applying for, desire? I'm sure engineers are looking for whatever they're looking for in that domain, product, same thing, sales, marketing, no different than executives. You know, they probably have expectations in terms of how they want to lead or companies that they want to work for. How do you almost find the right things to say to attract them versus matching up who matching up the identity that you guys want? in terms of these are the candidates that we're expecting them to bring on board.
1: This might give away my age or years of experience or being an old dog in the, in the trade these days, but I've been very lucky to have worked for some much larger companies. And so I, it's like, I've seen this movie before I've seen the weather forecast. I know what's going to happen in front of us that we're full flow recruiters today 30 employees. I know what's going to happen to us at a hundred, 200, 500 employees. And so having had experience higher for much larger companies of leaders over a 500 person company or engineers over you know, engineers in a 50 plus person engineering team, I'm when I'm hiring today for these leaders and these indi- individual contributors, I sort of know what I'm looking for because I've hired that in the past and kind of seen where it's gone.
0: So you've been around the block you I had have experience in, in a good way, in a good way. Right, you you have the experience, you have the network, you have the forecasting ability to understand what could and couldn't happen. You know, understanding with the remote works transition, COVID's transition. Suppose Chris and I are guys interested in the people space. How would you advise us? You know, getting involved and making our way up to not only be effective leaders eventually, but really to enjoy the process and and everything that the people ops space has to offer.
1: Absolutely. If I was giving advice to anyone in the the people space is to remember just that, that we are people leaders. And I am so excited to have transitioned my career where 15 plus years ago, HR was very much paperwork, admin process only until we saw this transition about a decade ago of even the job titles of leaders, instead of just chief HR officer, you have your chief people officer. And we are heads of people. We've always been heads of people, but just more now than ever, are our people leaders truly getting to kind of strategically plan the people, until the people and the people strategy, excuse me, but until the company is run by robots, the comp- these companies will be run by people. And I think it's very important that every single company, and I work in tech, every single tech company, highly invest in a people-led, people-leader and invest into that role and that team. because. They are the ones hiring the talent, and the talent is the one building the products. And these products are what are, is what's make are what make. Oh, see, I can't talk. These <laughs> products are is what's making the revenue. And and unless leaders leaders can't forget that we have to always remember the people is what's bringing in the money. And investing into your people team is just highly highly important.
2: Couldn't agree more. Your people are your most important asset. So. I know Peace and I completely, completely agree with that statement. Christina, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on here today. You give the audience so much knowledge, so many tricks and tips, and we really appreciate that. Can you tell the people where they could find you if they want to connect with you more and tell everyone where you could find more more about uh, Flow Recruit?
1: <laughs> I can be found on LinkedIn there you and go. I'd be excited for anyone to add me to LinkedIn. I'm always eager to grow my network. Christina Wells, Austin, Texas, Flow Recruit. You can find me. Mm. And yeah, learn more about us on flowrecruit.com. You'll find a good wealth of information. And yeah, we're just excited to keep growing and growing in the uh, recruiting space.
2: Well, you heard her. Go make sure you check her out on LinkedIn and go check out Flow Recruit. Christina, again, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And to everyone listening to New C Podcast, thank you very much. And until next time.